there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Stephen Ferrara. He's a family nurse practitioner and the president-elect of AANP as of very recently. And he is a wonderful, wonderful person. And I've had the pleasure of knowing him for a little while now. And what we talked about is uh, concerns that nurse practitioners have about NP education, what AANP is, what it does, how it works, how NP education works, some of the issues that are facing us uh, in this profession as nurse practitioners. And we also talked about how we can help with all of the challenges that we talked about. So um, without further ado, I'm gonna share my interview. I hope you enjoy it. If you haven't grabbed the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Without further ado, here's my interview. Awesome, thank you so much for being here. So would you introduce yourself for the people? Sure, and first, thank you for having me. Uh, I am Stephen Ferrara. I am a family nurse practitioner. Uh, I hold a few different roles. Uh, one is as president-elect of AANP. I just began this term at the end of June. Uh, this will be a one-year term as president-elect, and then the president term will start June of next year, so June of 2023, and will last two years. Oh, uh, so cool. That's that's what I'm looking forward to, uh, but I'm on the board of uh, directors of AANP now, and I'm also the uh, Associate Dean of Clinical Affairs uh, at Columbia University School of Nursing, and that's my primary uh, full-time job at Columbia as an Associate Professor and Associate Dean. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so You're much welcome. for being here. That's my so, pleasure. So, um, so what we did was we asked um, the people in the real world NP community some questions for you. And you and I have talked before about, um, I think there's a pretty big misconception about what ANP is and what it's not and what it controls or it doesn't control or what it influences and what it doesn't. So just to kind of set the stage, a lot of the questions that I got from people were about NP education mm -hmm. and they were feeling really frustrated with um, NP education not being standardized or perhaps as rigorous as they'd like it to be or um, frustrated with finding preceptors themselves and that being a real challenge, um, which is absolutely those are super valid challenges. Um, I think the expect I think the expectation based on those questions is that AANP is in charge of that. So with that said, can you tell us about what AANP is and what it does and how it works? Sure. So uh, thanks for everybody putting questions in advance. I think that's really helpful to guide this conversation and it's a good opportunity to talk about AANP. So AANP is a membership professional organization. So we are the voice of the nurse practitioner uh, currently at over 120,000 
members across the United States. And we exist to help advocate for the profession, uh, to help uh, provide continuing education for the profession, to help the health of the profession. Uh, and that's at the core of what we do. Now it gets a lot, it gets very confusing because there's another entity called the AANP Certification Board, which mm -hmm. many people take uh, for their uh, national certification exam. And that is a separate entity from AANP. And that is the test that one takes uh, to become uh, nationally board certified as a nurse practitioner. And you know the other option is ANCC. It gets very confusing with all these acronyms yeah, that are out there. Totally. Um, but that is really wholly separate and apart from the membership organization of what is known as AANP. Yeah, that is so fascinating. I think I did not understand that myself. Like I thought they were the same. And I think and I think the other part um, that you and I had talked about is that there are both there's a national AANP as well as state based or AANPs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So AANP represents nurse practitioners nationally. Mm -hmm. And the um, number of states have their own state organizations that have affiliations with AANP in it. But again, those are separate entities at the end of the day. Um, so it gets very confusing, um, especially when we're talking about state licensure issues that is always gonna be legislated at the state level, not nationally. And in those situations, AANP will work with the state NP organization to try and move legislation that removes barriers to NP practice forward. Um, so it really is a collaborative approach that AANP and the state organizations uh, undergo, and it, it gets it gets somewhat uh, confusing. At the federal level, it's still legislation that takes place. When we think about federal legislation, think about Medicare. Medicare mm -hmm. applies to uh, everyone over age 65, and it, it's uh, applicable whether you're in one side of the country or the other side. It's exactly the same, but that's never going to be state licensure rules for nurse practitioners. I see. I see. So I guess just maybe a couple of examples uh, would be helpful. So like, it sounds like in terms of the full practice authority questions, that's a like a state-based specific issue compared to um, what are some of the other like national issues that, um, that AANP like works with things like that. Sure, and I'll give you two examples on the national level. Um, one is my favorite to talk about is diabetic shoes. Um, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this. This is one of those issues that it just doesn't make any sense. It makes no uh, sense. I guess the context, maybe set the context for students, uh, nurse okay. practitioners. So uh, this is for <laughs> Medicare beneficiaries. So mm -hmm. somebody with Medicare as their primary insurance. Um, Medicare does not recognize nurse practitioners to sign the form that authorizes a diabetic shoe company to supply the shoes to the patient and be reimbursed by Medicare. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly correct to say that nurse practitioners can't order diabetic shoes. Yeah. We can, yeah. Uh, but the problem is the company supplying the shoes is not going to get paid by Medicare. Mm. And uh, the, the current statute, federal legislation, 
only yeah. recognizes uh, physicians and podiatrists to, mm. to order these, to order these, uh, you know, these treatments, if you will, mm -hmm. these interventions. So this has been an issue that has been many years in the making. Um, it does require Congress. So your U.S. Uh, uh, senators and House of Representatives to pass a bill in each respective chamber of, of Congress, and then to be signed by the president of the United States. Like wow. that's, that's how difficult it is to get I what see. makes complete nonsense uh, yeah. or not being able to provide something that there's no controversy over. Yeah. Like nobody's opposed. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, but it, it takes a huge effort. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one example. The other example that has actually had some success in recent weeks is nurse practitioners being able to see injured workers, federally injured workers, mm. uh, under workers' compensation law. Um, currently, uh, if a federally uh, injured worker is going to their clinician, it can only they can only be seen by a physician currently, and and other like. Uh, uh, acupuncturist and mm. some other uh, disciplines, but nurse practitioners are not allowed to bill for services when it comes to a federally injured worker under workers' compensation. Mm, that's super helpful. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a pin in that. We'll come back to what ANP is working on um, nationally. Okay. Uh, but I wanted, I want to pivot a little bit to the topic of education. Um, so I had such an enlightening conversation with you about how NP education works. Mm -hmm. uh, so could you speak to your like understanding of how the NP education works, uh, system works as it relates to AANP? Sure. So it's a good or question. Or it doesn't actually. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, it, it, it's good. It's a, it's a good um, sort of starting point because AANP is not an accreditor of NP programs. We mm -hmm. never were. And, uh, yeah. and, and there is no sort of plans to, to become that. So when so basically comes, ANP is not in charge of NP education. We'll no. start with that point, but continue. No, How does it, it work? It's yeah. not in charge of, of NP education yeah. at the schooling level, you know, to yeah. become a nurse practitioner. That's yeah. a space that there are nationally accredited bodies uh, yeah. that, you know, accredit programs uh, uh, nationally to be able to provide uh, uh, these programs to the public, right? Mm -hmm. And it's linked to federal money, right? Mm -hmm. When there is, when a program's accredited by one of the nationally recognized accreditors, then you can apply for fi federal financial aid. But AANP mm -hmm. is not in that space. Um, mm -hmm. But we get targeted oftentimes and say, well, why isn't AANP doing anything about this? Well. Yeah. Um, that's not the composition or, you know, mission, if you will, of this organization, you know, mm. that's not to say we don't have discussions and conversations with stakeholders across different areas within nursing. Of course we mm -hmm. do. And we're trying and making sure that we're having the conversation um, with these stakeholders and making sure that we bring to light some of the issues that students are having, uh, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to finding clinical placements and preceptors yeah. and all the struggles that exist 
uh, these days for NP students. Yeah. Can you can you speak a little bit to what the NP organization, what the what the accrediting organizations are? Yeah. So um, the the two recognized ones are uh, AACN, the American Association of Colleges of Nursing, AACN. Mm -hmm. And through that organization, their accreditor is CCNE, CCNE. Um, and I'm not going to attempt to figure, <laughs> okay. figure out what CCNE stands for. Uh, and the other side is NLN, the National League of Nursing. So they have their own accrediting standards. But these are essentially the two organizations that are recognized by the federal government to be able to certify NP programs. Cool. And then they also set the educational standards as well. Well, they set what is, you know, what NP programs follow. Yes, but they don't do that in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. um, they do work with other organizations. Another organization that comes to mind is, uh, it's called NOMF, the yep. National Organization of Nurse Practitioners. NOMF Competencies. Yep. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, they are an organization of NP faculty. They're not. They're also not an accreditor or a regulator uh, in the space. But mm. AANP is working with them to make sure that when we're talking about NP programs, that it's evidence based. It's with the current um, literature, and that we're keeping up with what the demands of the healthcare system and our patients require of us to do to be safe and licensed and high quality nurse practitioners. So, um, you know, there's a lot of crossover, but again, if you're mm. looking for pointing fingers, um, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it has to be, yes, we are a conduit. A and P can be a conduit and should be a conduit, but, you know, your one's, um, you know, frustrations mm. um, really, you know, can't be blamed, at least for this issue, um, yeah. on, on AANP. I would love to know um, and like hear from you about what what is like, so we can be really clear, like what is it that AANP is currently working on and what are some of the things also that you want to bring as the new president-elect? It's so cool that you, I didn't realize it worked in that that president-elect for a year and then the two-year term. That's really cool. Um, so what would you like to bring? What are they currently working on? What are some things that you would like to bring? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So we have this acronym, we like acronyms, uh, of PEARL. Uh, and P-E-A-R-L, P stands for practice, E is education, A is advocacy, R is research, and L is leadership. So we are looking at that, uh, within that, uh, that terminology, to have nurse practitioners represented, uh, represented. And when I talk about education, it's more continuing education mm -hmm. uh, rather than pre-licensure graduate uh, yep. uh, education. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the context, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, there are programs for leadership to develop leaders uh, and and give additional skills for nurse practitioners. Um, are uh, we have two conferences a year uh, that are contact hour focused. Uh, one is in the in the summer, the other is in the fall, and there are tremendous efforts to make sure that there are nurse practitioner presenters presenting the latest evidence-based practice and to provide opportunities to uh, acquire those required continuing education credits 
Um, when it comes to practice, well, then that's everything having to do with NP practice. So whether it be at the federal level, whether it be at the state level, you know, we're trying to influence um, and eliminate those barriers to, to practice. Uh, you know, there it shouldn't be harder for patients to seek care from a nurse practitioner. Mm. Um, and how can we eliminate some of those things? And with that comes the advocacy um, and and research. You know, not just necessarily research about nurse practitioners, but it's research led by nurse practitioners mm -hmm. and what types of uh, evidence-based uh, treatments are out there uh, these days, uh, what are uh, quality improvement projects that NPs are leading and leading to ultimately, hopefully, better patient outcomes. So all of that happens within AANP. What I'd like to do is, you know, address some of the issues that are out there. Um, one is preceptors, right? How can we increase the preceptor pool uh, for NP students out there? And, you know, the, the, the model that I, I believe, this is my opinion, mm -hmm. is that the one-to-one -one precepting, it's not sustainable anymore. Mm -hmm. We need, you know, mm -hmm. one preceptor to multiple uh, mm -hmm. NP students, right? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? That's the hard part. Yeah, that, um, yeah. But I think, you know, conceptually, yeah. the idea of one-to-one -one, um, with 355,000 nurse practitioners today in the United States and, you know, thousands of students in school right now, it's just not a model that we can continue relying on. So we mm. need to seek new ways to be able to um, precept the future NP workforce. So that's one of those top priorities that um, I'm committed to. Um, mm. Others will be conti will, will continue to be a full practice authority for nurse practitioners, mm. eliminating these arbitrary barriers. And what can we do to work with those state NP organizations? Um, we're at a point now where we have 26 states are considered full practice authority. So we, we tipped uh, over the halfway mark, nice. uh, but we still have 24 states that still need mm -hmm. full practice authority. And again, it's not just full practice authority for full practice authority's sake. It's being able to practice and provide your patients with the care that you were educated and, and prepared to provide without getting mm -hmm. an unnecessary signature because the form that you're trying to fill out requires a physician signature, right. um, which is so frustrating, right? Yeah, well, the diabetic shoes is a great example. Visiting nurses, very exactly. frustrating. Exactly, so, so those are two of my top priorities um, as I am trying to figure out, you know, where the needs are, where I could help with my experience. You know, my, my prior experience is, I was the executive director of the State Nurse Practitioner Association in New York mm. uh, when we passed full practice authority uh, in New York State. And I'm hoping I could share some of those successes, uh, avoid some of those pitfalls that we encountered and, and set you know, reasonable expectations all while being um, responsive to the needs of what the members of this association want from their professional membership organization. And 
it's it's hard because uh, 120,000 people are a lot of people uh, are a lot of nurse practitioners and yeah. nurse practitioner students. So you know how do you keep the balance? How do you uh, you know a p? How can you be responsive to voices who are on who are on polar opposite ends of the spectrum? Yeah, um, it's not easy to do. Yeah. Um, but the way I will approach it and how I try to approach it is what does this mean in the context of our patients, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are we doing everything we can to advocate for our patient um, and have them ideally have ideal outcomes? And if we're not doing that, well, then we need to re-examine our, our positions and perhaps realign with something that is more patient-centric. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I guess I just wanted to add in about the whole education conversation. Like I don't have the answers, right? But like, I guess just for context, um, for someone listening is that like, um, and you can please chime in. Um, this is just what I understand of how I think, I think it's an, it's not just a nurse practitioner education. I feel like it is like the healthcare system in general. Cause I think there's, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's misunderstandings as well. Like, I don't know what the solutions are to improve the the preceptor shortage or or that challenge of finding preceptors. But just to also like give some context, physician associates. Um, I know my co- like colleagues that I've had have traveled like several hours to different states. Yeah. Um, they may have had assigned preceptors, but that's that's part of their kind of like s- s- set expectation. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to physician education, um, in their residency, like as medical students and then as residents until they become attendings, um, they have government funded programs, right? So that's that's their training is they have funding. Um, and so just just to, just for some contextual information for people who aren't familiar or somebody listening who's not familiar with the way the physician education works versus PA versus NP, um, it is a real challenge, I think. And um, I don't think that there are unfortunately easy solutions. They're not easy solutions, and it's a great point. Um, you know, physician education is funded by the federal government to the tune of billions of dollars a year, mm-hmm. um, whereas graduate nurse education, and that's all nursing, not just you know nurse practitioners, um, is in the millions. Uh, so, yeah. and our method of training and preparation is different than than mm-hmm. physician. So, I'm not saying ours is better. I'm not saying. The physician model is better, but I think what we need to do is recognize where we are, yeah. um, question whether this is the best way to do what we're doing these days, yeah. Yeah. and really try to move forward with with that understanding. You know, the the one thing about medicine and even PAs to a to a uh, to a degree is that it's a very centralized. Um, gatekeeper system when it comes to mm-hmm. programs and, and residency slots. Um, there's a certain number of slots. And if, you know, you don't match, then you don't match. And for that's physicians. it. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. For physicians. Yeah. When it comes to nurse practitioners and nurse practitioner programs, there is no centralized gatekeeper. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you're sort of relying on each individual NP school to find those preceptors. And and again, yeah. I question and say, is that the best way we could solve these issues today? I tend to think, no, I think we need to have something else, a, a, a new approach that makes it easier 
uh, for students to, to be linked with, with preceptors. And, and again, uh, like you, Liz, I don't claim to have any of the answers, um, but I do want to find solutions and I want to think out of the box and I want to be able to, you know, do, do my best to meet the needs of the members of this organization. And, and that's my number one focus. Absolutely. So I guess last question um, for this episode, hopefully we can have you back. But um, last question I think is um, a lot of people want to, I just, there's so many really big hearted nurse practitioners, especially in this community that want to see the profession succeed. They want to give the best care to their patients. Um, they really want to make a difference. Um, and whether it's from frustration of their education, for example, or their own personal healthcare experiences, like, or they just really want to get involved with ANP or other organizations, like, what do you, what would you recommend to somebody listening to this or watching this who is, um, wanting to get involved, whether it's with education reform or with, um, their local chapters or on the national level, like, what would you, what would you recommend whether, like, how, how can they best help if there are some options for people to help? Yeah. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a great way to sort of talk about how one can get the most out of their professional organization. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, I, I will use myself as the example, and I am on the opposite side of that. I was actually brought into my state association mm. because I happened to go to a, a local event and thought it was interesting. But I mean, ultimately, I think I would have gotten involved at some point, but it was really um, a mentor who, someone who became a mentor of mine said, mm -hmm. you're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> no option. <laughs> right. Pretty much no option. Now, not everybody's going to have, you know, that, that, that's uh, setting. So I think first you have to be present, right? Mm -hmm. And I do think you'll get, uh, you'll get what, uh, out of your association, what you put into it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, merely paying the membership fees, you know, you may take advantage of a, of a member benefit every now and then, but you're not going to necessarily feel connected to a community mm -hmm. of, of nurse practitioners. So I think that the way to get involved is every state has a state liaison and a region director. Mm -hmm. And when you log into your A&P portal, their photos and contact information show up in your, um, on your dashboard. So reach out to them. Um, that would be the best way to say, hey, I wanna be involved in, uh, you know, insurance uh, issues that, you know, we have in our state that insurance companies are not reimbursing mm -hmm. nurse practitioners at all, right? Like they won't credential me as a nurse practitioner. So like, that's one example, right? Of a way to get involved um, their contact information is there. And, and here's the other thing, right, that we have to be mindful of. I would love that there is an, there's an opportunity for everybody who wants to volunteer when they want to volunteer on the time period that they want to volunteer. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's hard with 120,000 people, right? So mm -hmm. what I would ask is don't get discouraged if you do reach out to someone and don't yeah. get an immediate response back. Yeah. Um, if, if that's the case, you know, I would say, get in touch with me, get in touch with the current A&P president, April Capu. Um, we're ever present on social media. We are 
really to serve the members of this uh, organization. And we want um, an organization that is representative of the profession, representative of the patients that we serve. Um, and that is a welcome place for, for all. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a utopia uh, organization, <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's, it's the truth. And, and I know that when it comes to, when we think about the composition of members of this organization, I mean, we have members who were the first nurse practitioners ever in their state, right? So wow. it's like, they're the first nurse practitioner ever. Like their license number <laughs> is one, right? Um, and, Amazing. And we also have nurse practitioners who graduated yesterday, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, we need to be mindful of yeah. how do we appeal to the seasoned nurse practitioner versus yeah. the very um, unseasoned yeah. uh, uh, nurse practitioner. So, you know, and, and that's the other piece is that, you know, don't keep your ideas to yourself. Um, mm. if, you, if you want to see something in this organization, I encourage you to share that and help us make this association as best as it can be. And, you know, mm. at, at the end of the day, an association are people. And totally. uh, if we're not mindful uh, of, the, of, the, of the constituency, of the membership, well, then um, we wouldn't be doing our job as an association. Absolutely. So you feel like the best way to to kind of communicate the desires, because I, I just thinking of the context of a lot of the newer grads are kind of kind of swimming, drowning a little bit. So yeah. they might not have the time to be volunteering. But um, if they're interested in sharing their views is the best place to kind of share with the ANP national like website or yes. um, their state websites. Cool. Yeah, I would say for ANP in, in particular, uh, go to the AP website. There's, you know, contact me forms. And I know that's very antiquated and you, know, you want to be able to text somebody and send a, send a direct message, but there are, you know, there are social media accounts, uh, Facebook and Instagram and um, Twitter uh, and LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can definitely send messages to, um, to those accounts and uh, they will go to the AP staff that will then disseminate it to, to leadership. Um, and, you know, again, we're looking for trends, we're looking for voids where we can, you know, fill in. And uh, the, the other thing to do is, um, you know, if, if you do have the opportunity to go to a, a conference, you know, it's a good way to get out there to do some mm-hmm. when we're back fully in person, um, yeah, to do yeah. some networking face to face. Those are great opportunities. And then the other conference that I really like is um, usually it's in the spring in February, March is the health policy conference. Mm. Um, and this is the opportunity. Uh, it's a very policy focused agenda. Uh, and then it usually concludes with mm. having uh, lobby days on the Hill. So you'll mm. go in groups based on your address and you could actually get to meet with your legislator uh, oh, cool. or, or their staff. And it really is. And, and this is where I've spoken with my legislators years ago about diabetic shoes. Right. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I, I tell the story a lot, but it just, it is, it is where, you know, I was speaking, pouring my heart out, right. Like diabetic shoes. And, and the legislator looked at me and said, you're talking about shoes, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they said to me, this is a no brainer. Well, right. It is a no brainer. Right. But again, it's not like snapping your fingers. And yeah. It it's a process. So, yeah. 
and, and you know, you feel, you know, empowered to be part of the process of shaping the identity of this profession. And that's why I got into this. Mm. Um, I want to leave this profession in some way, shape or form yeah. a little bit better than when I found it. Totally. And if I have anything to do with that, I consider it sort of a win. So that's, that's what awesome. I'm looking to do. Awesome. Well, I guess one other thing I wanted to add um, is like, uh, just a, just a little bit more context is that everyone is a volunteer, right? With AANP? Right. Okay. Exactly. So this is not your full-time job. No. You do this on top of your full-time job in addition to everybody else. So I think another context just to share is like um, people becoming a member is actually like financially, it's like 200 something dollars a year, right? And people get their benefits and they get continuing education. Like this actually does make a really big difference, right? Because like the more people that are members, the more resources financially ANP as an organization and smaller organizations have to do the work that they want to do, right? Am I understanding that correctly? That's exactly right. Like that's where the money comes from is membership. And that's how we make- dollars on all of the programs and all of the benefits that that ANP offers, as well as um, annual conference. You know, that's another uh, way that we generate some um, non-dues revenue to help the association and it's a nonprofit organization, yeah, right? So yep. nobody's, you know, <laughs> there are no shareholders that are making money yeah, uh, yep. here. You know, the, the, the funds, the membership dues goes to, uh, you know, staff time and any, you know, resources that we put out, you know, uh, paying rent, you know, all, all mm-hmm, these things that mm-hmm. uh, organizations need to do because they're, they're, you know, they're physical entities at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, you know, there, it's, it's, a, it's a huge organization, uh, lots of opportunities for people, lots of benefits for people. And, um, you know, I, I hope, it is my hope that we see people taking advantage of, of that, becoming involved in it, and, you know, hopefully making sure that we have a pipeline of future leaders mm-hmm. um, and people who are willing to say, hey, I want to get involved. Um, I want to volunteer my time, my talent, um, and be able to impact the profession in a, in a way that, you know, you feel you need to impact it. Totally. Totally. Well, thank you so very much for being here. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for all your hard work, for taking the time and hopefully we can do another chat another time. Yeah. I'd love to Liz. Thank you so much for having me back on and I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. Thank you. All right. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.